welcome back, everybody. Um, Glad y'all got, got to hear that. We're still trying to figure this thing out. Oh, you frozen sorry. There? Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, got Dan T over here on my left, the host again. My name's Zach Shu, the other the host. The other host. <laughs> yes, I like. Not that. to Dan, be confused with the co-host. Dan was telling me about how he was the other coach of his kids' soccer yeah. team. I said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! Stop right there. This is an important part of the story. <laughs> not the assistant coach, <laughs> right? Not the so, co-coach, just the other coach." So what you're telling me is there were two coaches, and there was no hierarchy in this pyramid of coaching. It, no, I was just the other coach. Yes, it was. Have, have you ever coached five-year-old soccer? Never. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not that easy. Okay. Okay. So. When they're like running all the way 18 fields over chasing a butterfly, like you need six coaches. <laughs> it doesn't matter what order they're in. Is that the point you're making? It's just that's coach, right. Coaches we're just, on coach. We need coaches for five-year-old soccer. We're really just babysitters. What are we doing today, man? What do we got lined up? We talked about a couple of topics. I think one was cash flow, which we kind of noodled around with in our intro. Um, is that what we got lined up for our our outline here to talk a little bit about cash flow and transitioning from residential to a commercial style business? How to get into the more of the business to business sales? Is that kind of the agenda? So there seems to be a demand for uh, you know knowledge, a thirst for knowledge of how to get into the commercial fence industry. Since we are here, we've done it for a while. We'll we'll share some stuff that we know. We're not experts. So don't think everything you hear on here is like carved in stone. Uh, this is just the information as I know it, as Zach knows it. Which we I, might be right. We which, might be wrong. <laughs> as Zach knows it, as Zach knows not. That's right. what we'll call that section. Um, so just curious, uh, curiosity, when do you have any idea when Memphis Fence started like their first commercial fence job? Like, uh, has that been since? Obviously, the business has been here, we've talked about since like 1970, 71, right? 70, 71. Yeah. Okay. So 71. And so, and been operating, but when, you know, do we have any idea like when the commercial, when, <laughs> when the commercial fence, when that became like your target market? Yeah. It was, uh, it was right. No, I have no idea. Okay. Well, there we go. It, before I was born. How about okay, that? Cool. So I, I've heard stories a lot that the only reason Memphis Fence ever started doing residential was because superintendents and, you know, project managers, people like that from commercial companies we were working for wanted fence at their house. Mm. And so I think that's, so I think it's kind of the inverse. I think we started in the commercial world, got in residential just to service the people that we were already doing business with. And then, you know, we already talked about how we got out of residential, but sure. I think that's how we got sure. there. Okay, cool. Again, we don't really know much. <laughs> so, all right. You got anything else? That's it. We're not live. That's one of my questions here. Are, Are we, we live? live? No, no, we're not. Um, do we have any old business? So, Zach, give us an update on your... Uh, your processes that you've been working on and stuff. What do you, what do you got going with that? Um, yeah, I just, I decided not to. Oh, <laughs> no processes anymore. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I just, uh, 
I thought that was going to be, you know, uh, just proved rather difficult. It was a little bit hard, so you decided <laughs> to just give up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, really, realistically, is uh, the more I've dug into this, the more I realize it needs attention. And so um, ultimately, the shot process that we talked about is seemingly in full effect and, and starting to work. So I've started yeah. job one with the the folders and whatnot. And the flow, uh, flow chart for them yeah. to use on this job. We started that job um, yesterday. Mm -hmm. So how it's going. So you're, you're a whole day into it. Yeah. So. so today is day two. We did get rained out midday, which is something that happens, which was obviously not in the flow chart. Right. Uh, you missed but, that. But I think as far as having that designated, it seems like we're going. The folders should, are working. Did you not ask our resident weatherman? I did. Actually, he was not here. Oh, that's right. Which also he happens. not here today. Speaking of. No wonder we didn't know it was going to rain. <laughs> our weatherman took the day off. Hey. Right. So that seems to be working. The other stuff, I don't know that we really talked much about the other things I'm doing, like internally, as far as organizational structure. Hey, Olaria. We just kind of talked about Does, doing the. Does the video look terrible for you? Fine. Okay. So we're not like freezing mid sentence and all. Okay, cool. Cause it is on mine. So. Yeah. Super laggy over here. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Carry on. Enter the lag zone. So we're, we're on day two of this kind of folder thing. If you missed it last time, basically what Zach's got going, he's got, you can like jump in and correct me anywhere that I've, sound like an idiot but he's got a like a folder that goes in <laughs> idiot idiot <laughs> just kidding just kidding so he's got a folder that goes in the shop um that's one color he's got a shoulder for the installers that's another a folder for the installers that's another color sometimes they require a shoulder All too right. you know he's got uh it's one gonna be okay one for the powder. you can do it <laughs> one for the powder coaters and you know kind of got it all color coded got the specific information that all three of those people need is that basically a summary of yeah it? all right cool yeah, yeah. just in case anybody don't let me talk about it it's my baby so i'll talk at great length about yeah no i'm, I'm not that's why i just jumped in there <laughs> all right cool anything else in our our old business i don't think so man me neither i don't think so do you think we should like watch our previous episode to see what we talked about before this not at all no nah. No. If you've never made a video or audio recording or anything of yourself and watched it or listened to it, I'm going to let you know it's kind of painful. So. I just watched episode one. Did you? Mm -hmm. How was that? Did you like call yourself an idiot the entire time? Yeah, of Star Wars. Uh, okay. Is that relevant? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that counts. No, I did. I did watch it, actually. I did, turned the volume really low. I just wanted to see how we were doing. I yeah. think we looked pretty good on there. So. Yeah. All right. Good deal. So uh, we, we got something new we want to try. Um, Alaria. How do you say your name properly for us one time? Ilaria. What's your last name? Izoni. Oh, yeah. And what about your boyfriend's first and last name, please? Yeah. Because we, we recently figured out she is dating a celebrity. Oh, yeah. Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah. How do you say it? Is there like an Italian translation for Will? No, he says Will. Will. Okay. So welcome to the part of the show where we learn Italian from yeah. our resident Italian, Ilaria Pizzoni. As long Did as I that's say cool that right with you. that time? That's fine. Okay. Cool. Okay. So what's the word for fence? Word of the day, fence in Italian. Recinzione. Holy smokes. That's all you, man. One more time. Can it get one more time? And then in a sentence. Recinzione. 
recensione. Yeah. Oh, good job. I, I've learned officially learned an Italian word, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I cannot roll my R, so all I got is like recensione. <laughs> That's close enough. It's right on down there by the recensione. Yeah. That it's like a overcooked chip with cheese and salsa on it or something. It's like a deep fried. Yeah, it's kind of like nachos. <laughs> I don't know how you can make Italian sound Tex-Mex, but it sure does. Yeah. It's All right. tasty sounding. So I got a story today. So um, oh, yes. we're working with Jackson Fence Cannon yeah. on a job in Jackson. And uh, so today we went and met on a job site, went to Starbucks after, and we're sitting in here like, you know, doing some training on Simpolo. And he's <laughs> so... We're, you know, just in Starbucks and there's other people around and all this stuff. And he says, he pulls his phone out. He goes, Hey, we're going to live on Facebook. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and it was the most awkward, nervous thing I think I've done in a while. Like I can sit here and do this. And I'm, I mean, it's not that bad, but for some reason we we're sitting in a Starbucks, all the people over there working were like watching <laughs> us. In fact, at one point, some dude like walked over and like was trying to talk to us like, Hey, how's it going? Kind of thing. And, uh, it was so weird, mm. but it was. It was strange because like this goes to the same place, but for some reason, like just that kind of like spur of the moment, pull the phone out, go live kind of thing. It really freaked me out. I don't know what's up with that, but anyways, that's my interesting story. That was it. Day. That's it. No wonder you saved it. Yeah. So I'd be underwhelmed on camera. Yeah. You thought it was going to be great. Didn't <laughs> so I, I told Zach, I was like, Oh, I've got a story. I'm going to talk Where's about the it in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We need like a, <laughs> Hold I on. want that button. I want it. There's what? Like, <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think people watch this and they're like, these people are idiots. Yes. I'm never watching this again. Well, we're going to talk about some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Bear with us through the dumb stuff and we'll get to some good stuff. But I wanted to give a very anticlimactic story to Zach before we got going here. He thought it was going to be cool. That's all yeah. I got, man. Yeah. We did go to a job site and uh, the contractor's like, oh yeah, we're ready for you. Come on out, blah, blah, blah. And we got there and there's like mountains of riprap in the fence line, like three dump truck loads of dirt. They have stuff staged for the building all the way around the edges of the parking lot, which also happens to be where the fence goes. So lesson for everybody. If uh, What's the condition of the dirt out there it, currently? I mean, it kind of looks like a roller coaster like this. So no, not even partial grade, no. binder, nothing, no. curbs laid out oh there's some asphalt but the asphalt kind of just ends in places and there's no curb behind it so we don't really know where the curb's going to be right so just uh if you've never get ready uh, and come on and wait some more yeah if you've never had a general contractor call you and say they're ready send somebody else before you send your crew go look at the job make sure that they're not just full of crap that's so. kind of the game we play though i mean we talked yeah. about that a little bit about staging these big jobs and just having them powder coated and waiting over there on a pallet yeah for the day they say let's move well, and i said full of crap that's not correct i think sometimes people just don't know what site conditions need to be there for us to install a fence so you know you just kind of have to go out there and be like hey we need this this and this done and hopefully they say okay and you know kind of help you out sure so but every once in a while you run into somebody that's like eh, nah you're good put the fence where it is and you put the <laughs> like work with it and take your machine and try to grade it for them. And sure. it just gets to be a big mess. But we had some of that in the consensus continued to be proceed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. mean, by all means necessary. Talk to the owner proceed. Yeah. Just 
put the fence in. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So last week I was, a I was a guest speaker in a small group for some fence people from around the country. And the point of me going in was to kind of talk about commercial fence. And basically what I did was I sat down about an hour before I was supposed to be in there. And I was like, Hey, I got some stuff I want to make sure I talk about. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jot it down. Oh, and if any of you are here, thanks for listening. Um, so yeah, I want to jot it down. And so I started writing and man, I had like five or six pages worth of notes. And the only reason I stopped writing was because we ran out of time. And so I think this podcast seems to be like, we knew we were going to talk about commercial fence. So, you know, I've got my notebook right here with that stuff in it. And I mean, at least for the foreseeable future, we'll just kind of be covering, I guess, commercial fence 101. What do you think about that? Sure. Okay. So two types of commercial fence in the world. We do both. There is like business to business type of stuff where someone in town calls us and says, Hey, I've got a fence. It's been damaged. I want to fence around my parking lot, whatever. And uh, someone just directly hires us to come do some fence work for us for them. They don't hire us to do work for us. Sorry. And uh, the other type is, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> it snuck up on me. So the other type is like working for general contractors and, I mean, honestly, the business to business stuff is pretty easy. It, it doesn't have quite as much like administrative burden and, you know, warnings, I guess I can say that go along with it as sure. the general contractor stuff. So the majority of what we're going to talk about will be like in that general contractor kind of world. So I guess, you know, construction commercial, I, I don't know. I don't know sure. how to My favorite thing that. about business to business is we often get the freedom to designate or help the customer decide what their needs are, Yeah, which we're not spec a specific product. And we're kind of like, why are we even doing this type of thing? Well, and also, you know, a lot of the general contractor kind of stuff is just like publicly put out there. And right. I mean, you might have 27 different people bid on one job. That's right. a bit exaggerated, but like you have a bunch of fence companies bid it as where if a business needs a fence, they might only call one, two, three, you know, they're not going to call 20 people to come out and look at it. Sure. Normally. So uh, you, you also kind of have a little bit better chance. And also I think that your service can really shine a lot more in the business to That's business right. as where within the general contractor world, like I would say that most of that is heavily dictated by the price that you put on your proposal more so than the service that you can provide. Right. Right. You, you don't really get much of that, like a one-on-one kind of like sales opportunity either in that world. So, eh, you know, kind of pros and cons to both. It takes a little bit of everything to survive. So, but anyways, so let's see. Yeah. So, so the title of this episode is Cash is King. So I guess we should talk about cash some, right? Yeah. Is that, that what's on the agenda? Okay. All right. So, uh, hey, speaking of cash, within the last week, we've had some crazy stuff happen. My, we my have. Wife, oh, yes. My, my wife was checking our, our regular operating uh, checking account one day, and she noticed there's like a dozen checks that were all pending on there, all for like, you know, kind of close to the same number. So come to find out, someone had printed a bunch of checks with our information on it and just wrote them all to a bunch of people and they went to like a convenience store and cashed them. And it was a little bit over $20,000 on 12 different checks that they had gone and just started cashing. 
So of course we had to go through the bank, file police reports, do all this fraud kind of stuff. And now every day our bank sends us all of the transactions. Day one, we learned a lesson that we have to respond by 1.30 for it to be approved because every transaction on day one was declined. Mm-hmm. And what was really fun is one of those transactions was for our payroll taxes. So <laughs> we had a, a charge to the IRS that was declined. So that that's always exciting. But, but yeah, we are just kind of working through that. Then when we kind of like halfway get a handle on that, American Express calls me and they say, hey, we want to verify some charges that are on your credit card. Well, sure enough, they were fraud charges too. So both our checking account and our credit card got hit all within a week of each other. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, no real lesson there. Just it happens, I guess. Speaking of cash. Yeah. yeah. Talking about money. It really sucks when you need cash to like pay payroll and pay your bills and somebody just tries to steal it from you. But uh, anyways... So if you want to get into the general contractor world, what, I mean, you're going to need some money, right? Yes. You're, you're going to need some cash reserves. Right. Or a line of credit, or, I mean, you know, if you, if things get like tough, you might go take a truck that you've got paid off and like get a loan sure. against it or leverage your home or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Whatever you right. got to do, have some stuff that you can sell. We kind of grazed know? over that in the intro episode. Yeah. Um, about that and and that this a lot of these situations well not any of the situations we've been in this year since i've been with the company have we had the opportunity to receive a deposit for material yeah or anything like that yeah you know? that's so, right and so someone asked me the other day about a joint check have you ever heard of this i don't know do tell all right so i guess uh i've never personally experienced this but i guess there is there there is a way or there are some contractors out there that maybe are willing to do it. But what the the person said happened was a contractor wrote a joint check to them and their supplier. And so I guess they had to like sign off on the check and then give it to their supplier. So the money basically went straight from the contractor to the supplier. Never experienced it. Apparently it's a thing that some people sort out some Which kind of way. Not too dissimilar from a contractor agreeing to buy the materials. That's right. That's basically what they did. Right. It just ran through the defense company on the way to the, well, it didn't even run through really. They just had to sign the, off on the check, I guess. But anyways, I mean, it's kind of like a deposit, some, not a 50% deposit probably, but like it is some That's kind of deposit. And so. I guess, you know, some of this, it, we've talked about having some, tra- exercising some transparency here and we do mark up materials a little bit. Um, is there, a, I mean, like, Four dollars or something, sure. you know. But I'm just saying, people, everyone knows what materials you mark up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In that circumstance, I wonder if that leaves room for that markup for these guys. You know. I think when I'm asked to separate things, I just give them the straight up material cost. So if my material cost is you know nine thousand nine hundred eighty-seven dollars, I'll just tell them that, and then whatever markup I put on the material or anything else goes into like my installation side of the breakdown. Sure. That way, if that situation does arise, you know, I mean, I'm going to get my markup on the material, but it's going to be later down the road. Because right. a common thing is to bill for stored materials, right? So sure. when I bill for stored materials, a lot of time I have to give the invoice that the our supplier gave us. Nowadays, it seems to be a little more common that I actually have to like show proof that I've already paid for the material 
have a waiver signed by my supplier that releases their rights to liens, give them the check stub, give them the invoice, all of that. So I'd rather just be honest on the front end instead of get caught in a lie on the back end. Right. Sure. So, well, and that having <clears throat> to prove that you've already paid means you've ordered material, received material. Mm. It's gone past the time, whatever credit um, terms you have with your supplier. Right. Now you're paying. So this really is, we're knocking on the door of what this cash flow really does for a business. Yep. Yep. So <clears throat> you order material, you got terms with your supplier, 30 day, 45, 60, whatever you have. Um, so that has lapsed right now you've paid. Right. Okay. So if you pay on August the 1st, well, you get to submit a bill for stored materials on August 25th. And then you'll get a check 45, 60 days, something like that down the road. So, Hey, I was going to tell you, I heard something on a podcast today. Okay. This guy says, if you don't ever lie, you don't have to remember what you said. Right. So don't, uh, you don't have to like go back and be like, Oh crap. What did I, how much did I tell him that material was? I mean, just tell him. And I've never really been called out on anything where it was like, oh, your material's only this and you're charging this much for the install or, you know, anything like that. Or um, I can buy that material cheaper somewhere else. Like In one circumstance, I just told the contractor I'm marking it up this much. They said, okay. Yeah. Because that's a normal thing. It's yeah. not an abnormal thing. And we incur cost in handling and storage. So right. it makes sense. And it's I mean, not, you know, money has a cost to it using money. Sure. So. All right. We need some we need some comic relief. I feel like I'm gonna take a nap over here and I'm not even listening. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh. What do you got? You got any oh hey, tell your muffin story. Oh no. That story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lay it on us. Let the world hear the great muffin story. This is <clears throat> cold. Dark August morning. morning. <laughs> sunny. Yeah. Cold in August. In sunny southwestern Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm. Wow. Did you hear that Tennessee just came on out there? Yeah. I'm like, hi, I'm Zach Shu from Tennessee. <laughs> That's how you're and supposed I to was, say it. <laughs> and I was cooking breakfast for the family. A wife and the kids. How does this story go? Remind me. I had so only only one kid was awake. Right, 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 right. So I'm down. I came. Did I come down the stairs, or was I already cooking breakfast? No, you were already cooking breakfast. I was already cooking breakfast. This way, <laughs> this is terrible. So this actually was a story I told Zach, and he said he was going to tell it. But we see how that's going. I I know how it goes. I thought we wanted oh. a little fun here. Oh, okay, sorry, fun. sorry. I, no, you tell it. You tell the story. You tell it best. You tell, it's your story. Okay, all right. So <laughs> get up early in the morning, Saturday morning, go down, cook a big breakfast, right? You got eggs and sausage and bacon and, well, maybe for some people you have like kale. I don't know what kind right. of. Right, my favorite part of the first telling was, it was protein and meat and meat and meat and protein. It was a well-rounded breakfast. Yeah. And then yeah, I put well some syrup on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we made some biscuits too. How about that? <laughs> and uh, we had a fruit bowl. Yeah. Is that thank better? you. Thank you. Smoothie. Yes. I don't know yes, what you want yes, in there. Thank okay. You, thank you. 
All right, so made all this breakfast. So kid number one gets up, comes in there, eats breakfast, right? Sits down, enjoys all of this like hard work, handmade kind of breakfast. And then about 30 minutes later, kid number two gets up, comes in the kitchen and says, I want some muffins, right? So, all right, get some muffins, whatever. So kid number two goes over and gets some muffins. And man, kid number one comes unglued because kid number two got muffins. The one who just enjoyed the giant home-cooked Southern breakfast. Protein, protein, protein breakfast. Yeah. Grapes. Right. Breakfast, yes. Right. Spinach. We uh, sprinkled some of those, what are them little chopped onions? chives okay. or something yeah, yeah we sprinkled some of that on it to have something green cool yeah so kid number one that had like a real breakfast wait wait i'm such a stickler in the kitchen or at dinner time with our kids they i have to have a green vegetable so in this meal all, i would have all three meals of the day yeah every time i'm, and okay. I'm so weird about it and it's a kind of a joke between me and the kids they're just like you know what green vegetables dad gonna make us eat mm. you know we're so tired of broccoli and green beans and asparagus and we're running out of green vegetables but i'm going to force feed them a green vegetable next to their meal <laughs> hold, hold on i don't know what's happening um i didn't turn this on yeah so in your in your story i would have been dumping heaps of canned green beans on all the kids on all the kids' breakfasts. Green beans. Yeah, I'm just imagining me with canned green beans. Just dumping them. <laughs> like your uh, can of chili and beans that you were talking yeah, about I, That's earlier? not mine. I do literally eat canned green beans here at, in the office for lunch sometimes. And you just dump that on top of the sausage and eggs and bacon. Yeah, sure. Make no, that's not how that works. It's you, more like a can of tuna, a can of green beans with a baked potato. For breakfast? For lunch. Oh, I thought we were talking about breakfast. We were. All right. So anyways, let, let's get on with the story. So the point of the story is that kid number two got muffins. Kid number one saw that kid number two had muffins. They didn't need muffins. They didn't want muffins before. They never thought about muffins until they saw the other kid have muffins. All right. And so the reason this story came up uh, yesterday, yes. whatever, was yes there there day. was there was somebody in the office who saw that some welding gloves were bought for someone right. else and like all of a sudden they had to have some welding gloves theirs were about to be worn out right they yeah. weren't worn Kid out number one just got a new welding hood and various other sundries from the local welding shop right. and then only when only when they saw kid number two or whatever, however that works out, only when they saw the other employee with the gloves did they say, I'm going to take those gloves for myself. That's right. And where are those gloves? I mean, they like me? honestly went, <laughs> they like went in the cabinet and they were like trying to like drag the gloves out. And the guy who sits by the cabinet's like, no, those are someone else's. I and physically separated them. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. Yeah, they're like in here fighting over a pair of gloves. But anyways, kind of, you know, brought up the whole kid story. And that's just how humans are. Like, that's how we Some, are. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big definitive statement guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, I think that's how maybe it's like the bell curve, right? Sure. Some humans are not in that category. But I think that's how a lot of people are. Like, we just see that, you know, we don't even want something. And then we see somebody else has it. And we're like, oh, we got to have that, too. Like mm -hmm. they got it. Why can't I have it? Kind of stuff. You know? 
We've experienced that a lot in business. Happened a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Within the comp- within the employees for sure. Sure. Yeah. If I get a new pair of welding sleeves, I gotta get a new pair for everybody. Or, you know, make them available. So that's an interesting point. Something I've learned is if you're gonna do something for one, be prepared to do it for everyone. Yeah. So I think it's that. a good practice too, really. Yep. I mean, ultimately. Yep. A hard lesson learned sometimes, but it's definitely a, a solid practice. Yep. All right. So back to cash, right? So you need to have something going on. You need to have some money in the bank, secure a line of credit, do something like you don't want to start off and go like leverage some equipment and just use that to really get in there. I personally don't think you can like it's your life, do it how you want. But personally, I think having some money sitting in the bank or a line of credit or something like that is probably a little better. And I would say to like, you know, keep your leveraging stuff as like plan B. Um, so today I was listening to a podcast, right? I mentioned something about that, but it was a Grant Cardone was interviewing Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. And uh, so Kevin O'Leary said something along the lines of if your business doesn't have positive cash flow, it's going to die. Mm. Cash flow is the blood of your business. And basically, eventually you're going to go to zero. So there's that. Um, Yeah, so the big point is like, just be prepared. You know, don't try to get yourself into too much. Don't get in trouble. Don't dive in over your head. Uh, We were actually talking about this, like, well, what do you do if you don't have a pile of cash? Figure out what you can live without. If you can live without 10 grand, then start with that. Go get your feet wet in some small jobs. Sure. You know, there's people that look and hunt for big jobs. Be a person that looks for small jobs. You, know, you probably have less competition on small jobs than you will on big ones anyway. What so, is that? I guess as it pertains to the ornamental division, that for us is residential fencing gates currently. In well, the I mean, even department. in like the the general contractor commercial world, like just there are smaller jobs out there. Maybe a job that has like just gates. You know, we've done jobs right. where it's just gates standing out there and there's no fence that ties sure. into them or anything. Um, so, yeah, recent or earlier this year, we just relocated some gates, yeah. brought them back, put new hinges on, repowder coated, relocated. Yeah. And added a 20 foot section of fence. Or right. Something. So something like that, you know, if you got a little bit of money right. and don't have a bunch of capital, like maybe you start with that. And then I also, they needed <clears throat> uh, to install some barrier arms and needed just a hole punched in the asphalt. So we quoted them oh, a little yeah. bit of money to just punch a hole in the asphalt so they could form uh, up. And didn't that actually places. happen? Like, hey, while you're here, do this. Right. Like, uh, wait Which a minute. It, I mean, it's kind of, sure, I bristled a little bit at that. Like, hey, how, that sucks, but we charged them for it. So it right. was no big deal. In the end. So you got like a change order out of it? Yeah. Okay, cool. So. I thought we were kind of just in that situation where we just had to do it. I don't think so. I'm not a okay. big fan for doing things that's not on the proposal. You right. Know? No, I agree. I mean, if everybody should get paid. Right. You know? Right. Same thing. Oh, applies. man, as a small, like when I was running my business and first getting started, dude, I would just do whatever they said. Yeah. You know? And, oh, yes, sir. Let right. me Let me get it right out so, there and do that. That's one of the hardest things. And that, I mean, that's a, not in the commercial realm, but it was that was a hard thing to get mm-hmm. to first just drawing hardline proposals that outline to the best of your ability all of the scope of work and sticking yeah. to that. If something's outside of that, then a hey, change order is submitted. You know what you got to have to do that? What's that? Tom. Right. Well, that's true. You, you can't 
you can't be rushing, waiting until the last minute, trying to throw something together and all of that. Like, sure. if you're going to try to write that proposal, probably should start a little bit in advance, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, don't get yourself in trouble. Don't get into too much. Just be patient. Start but small. Those little add-on things, if managed properly, can be a good source of cash flow. Yep, seems. for sure. You know, well, they can be lucrative. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So um, here you go. Save some money. Get your stuff in order before you just go out there and dive in. Right. So if you do, if you just go jump straight in and you go sell a hundred thousand dollar job, like that's super exciting. Right. Yes. Man, got a hundred thousand dollar contract. Biggest job right. I've ever seen. Well, guess what? Then reality is going to hit because you got to buy this material. Right. Let's say you got 30 grand in material. You got thirty thousand. You're gonna have to spend in payroll. You've accrued thirty thousand dollars worth of overhead while you're working on this job, right? So you're operating on like a ten percent profit, ten percent net income there. Right. So now you put ninety thousand dollars of your money in this job. Now you get to turn in a bill. All right? right. So again, the same principle. If you are done, like August tenth, and you're gonna turn in a bill, well, then you bill on August twenty fourth. 25th whatever that day is and you wait 45 days so you need to be ready to do that you got to have resources that can sustain you or other jobs that you're doing that can like carry that burden for the time being or you know whatever that situation is like you can sort that out yourself just want to make sure you understand it's a thing and you can bill monthly so like the example i gave where you finished on august 14th like if you had half of it done in july then you could have billed in July for, you know, a half of it. And then you bill for the other half in August. So you can turn in monthly bills. So you don't necessarily have to wait until the job is complete, but you're going to have to have something to be able to bill with material, right? Like you know, we progress, have, something like that. Currently we have a pile of panels for a job we haven't actually broke ground on, mm -hmm. um, but we can bill for the fabrication time yep. in those panels. So we can bill for panels. material fabrication, coding, things like that. Sometimes it gets a little hairy doing that. Sometimes like owners don't want to pay for stored materials. Sometimes general contractors don't want to mess with it. Like I had a situation where I signed a contract and we did the job like four years later. Mm. And I tried three or four times early on to get them to pay for stored materials. And the guy was always like, oh, yeah, I need to check with the owner, see if they'll do it. Da, 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 da. Never happened. So when they finally came back to us and they're like, hey, we're getting close to being ready for you to do the fence. I was like, all right, well, you're going to have to come up with an additional X amount of money because that's how much more that material costs now. And by having documentation showing that I tried to do the stored material stuff and all that, the new guy that I was talking to was like, you know what? Yep, we screwed up. You're right. We're going to send you a change order for the additional cost. And I mean, that one worked out, but right, that pretty... I, pleasant outcome there it was it was we got lucky and it's hard to say anything that you know is like definitive again because i mean it all depends on the owner the contractor everything like that how they're going to handle those kind of situations but yeah so we've talked about the uh, the billing cycle a little bit but also know like again depending on who you're working for and stuff like that sometimes you screw up a bill and then 45 days later, 60 days later, 70 days later, you call them and you're like, hey, I haven't gotten paid on this. Oh, well, that's because you forgot to submit this form. Right. What? You couldn't tell me? 
And like at that point, now you are three months in or two months or whatever right. down the road and you get back in the billing cycle and then you got to wait your 45 or 60 days. So the point in that is like, it's really important to make sure you know how to bill too. And again, with starting on those smaller jobs, like if you do a $10,000 job and you mess up the billing, then hopefully it's not going to kill you if you don't have that money for an extra couple months. Like that's going to help you get acclimated to billing when it's due, what you got to have turned in all of that type of stuff. Like people are not going to pay you if you don't have your certificate of insurance turned in and you know, all of that stuff for sure. But sometimes if you mess up on your billing documents, they're just not going to do it. Um, again, it's situational. Some people will let you know like, Hey, you screwed this up. You need to do something to it to fix it or whatever. But some of them just don't say anything. So I would, uh, make a mental note of those people that don't say anything and just, you know, maybe next time you don't want to work with them. Like you don't have to bid everybody on every job. So. Right. That's a, another lesson learned too. And you're eager yeah. to get your business going, you want to bid and work for everybody. And then over time you kind of realize the people that, you know, you develop a working relationship with and kind of have a preference of sorts for who to deal with and what jobs kind of go well in that respect. Yep. Just like, you know, there's, better fence companies there's worse fence companies there's better general contractors and worse general contractors sure. like you know and i mean it sucks when you uh do some jobs with those worse ones i mean we've had situations where general contractors wouldn't pay us wouldn't answer the phone wouldn't reply to emails wouldn't do anything and we reached out to an owner one time i can remember reached out to the owner on the project it was a uh, for a local municipality here and we found the project manager that was handling the job. And he's like, oh, yeah, we paid that out like three months ago. Well, really, because we haven't gotten paid. I don't know the answer to this, but there's like some stuff out there that if the contractor doesn't pay you, I think the money is supposed to go into an escrow account, that something like that. So uh, contractors can get in trouble. There was a situation in Tennessee back a couple of years ago where a guy filed a lawsuit against a general contractor and was awarded a pretty decent sum of money because they didn't like do that whole escrow thing and everything like they were supposed to wouldn't pay them for no apparent reason. Da, 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 da. But anyways, um, yeah. So we talked to the owner, talked to like the project manager that was representing the owner on that job. And I mean, within like 30 minutes, the, the guy that owned the general contractor company company was on the phone with a credit card. And this dude was livid. But I mean, I was like, look, you gave us no choice. What are we supposed to do, man? We've been trying for three months to get in touch with you. You, Nobody will return a phone call. Nobody will return an email. The job is done. Like, what do you think we're going to do? So crazy things like that happen sometimes. That's pretty rare. Right. You know, most of the time people do. And good. likely it's a case of like internally, there was just some disorganization where he was unaware that you hadn't been paid. Yep. Yep. That happens. And you know. I mean, there's times where like the bill just got sent to the wrong person. Sure. You know, there's a lot of situations out there like that, that are not anyone's fault. Just things happen. Right. So anyways, the moral of all that, just uh, make sure your ducks are in a row. Don't dive in over your head and be aware that cash flow stuff can be a little bit weird right. with, uh, with these general so contractor kind of jobs. Just 
You wouldn't suggest quitting your job, taking your vacation pay, and starting a business on $2,000. No, I probably would not suggest that. I should have asked. Oh, wait. No, we talked the weed eater business. Oh, right, right. Right? There are those models. Yeah, if you you got a car or a truck and, like, you want to take your weed eater and stick it in the trunk, then, I mean, as long as you don't have to, like, pay a mortgage or eat in the very foreseeable future, you might be okay. Right, this word overhead that escapes that whole business yeah. model. Yeah, yeah. And there's no <laughs> overhead in there. So you got a stockpile of uh, weed eater fuel and string and everything and sure. can get you by for a little bit. Have but each customer buy the gas for you before you start each job. I, there you go. There's your deposit. Right. Like, yeah. Need I'm going to I'm gonna need y'all to keep a five-gallon can of mixed gasoline on the property and I'll do the job for 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> and don't forget the weed eater string. You've stocked the weed eater too. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to use your weed eater. I doubt anybody listening to this is aspiring to go into the weed eater business. So, uh, no, you you should not quit your job, take your vacation check, and think you're going to go work for general contractors. Right. For sure. Right. Could you pull it off going and working in some people's backyards? Maybe. It's a possibility. But I mean, I think it would be, you'd be hungry for a little bit, man. And, uh, you know, that my experience, that was me. That's what I did. Yeah. I left here. I cashed out my vacation and started a business. Yeah. Um, I had some tools. Um, I had obviously a solid bit of know-how, some connections to suppliers. I don't know why the steel supplier extended me a decent term. Um, I have no idea. They just, just because they knew who you were? I, yeah, because yeah. I'd been doing, it was a local business that was also, you know, they started pretty small here in Memphis. And uh, I had been buying steel from them at the company before this and this company. So I had a contact there and they just, on a whim, yeah, gave me a line of credit. That's cool. You know, so. Uh, and so then that, just ha- it definitely helps. Right. So that's mm-hmm. part of what we're talking about, you know, but also, um kind of lucked out getting in with some general contractors who were just willing to give me a shot. Yeah. You know, did you ever work any of those kind of like joint check deals or not at all deposits or anything? The one thing is I had, like I said, I had a contractor offer to buy the material. Yeah. But what I had to do was order the material, give proof of receipt of the material and then submit the invoice for the material to them. To did pay. you have to insure it? No, really? no insurance. No, we had, um, uh, no, nothing more than just extending our typical insurance umbrella. Yeah, basically. So we'll talk more about that on another show. But yeah, yeah. When we bill for stored materials, we have to have uh, insurance coverage. It's called like property of others or something like that. So we have to have that policy has to be large enough to cover whatever material we're billing for. Right. So if we're billing ten thousand dollars worth of material, like we got to have ten thousand dollars worth of insurance coverage and provide proof of that insurance. So if somebody breaks in and steals it, you can't be like, ah, hey, your material got stolen. Sucks to be you. Sure. Right. You got to have coverage for it. So. But so I will say along those same lines, smaller local and I don't know who the general contractor was in that situation, but I would say generally smaller local contractors are a little bit easier to work with, too. Right. So actually I had. No, I don't even want to share that. Okay. That, that'll be for a later day. Put a pen in that. Yeah. Yeah. You taking a nap over there? Wait, what was Fence? I totally R- forgot. Rica, Rica Roni? Recinzione. Recinzione. I am back. Good job, man. 
I think it ends with an A though, right? It ends with a, it ends with an E. Oh, okay. So you nailed it. Good job, man. Zach's gonna know Italian. I just know. I have faith in you, Zach. Thank you. According to Zach, I just know bumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Italian word for um, a rifle? Is it lo the long one? The the, the long one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> She forgot. <laughs> no, I remember. But yeah. Ilaria was weird. She said, wait, you have a gun? And uh, when we start the podcast, Dan takes his pistol out and sits it on the table. She had no idea it was in here. I said, there's a there's a, a pistol right here. And, and, and apparently Ilaria is not very familiar with, with guns of any nature, any kind of firearm. And she, we said, do you, you know, do you not have a gun? Does anyone in your home have a gun? Yeah, my dad has one, but it's like. What, yeah, and what is it? It's um, it's like the long one. Wait, wait. No, there was some like talk of New Year's or Christmas or like some holiday. We get out the long one. See, we're not supposed to say that. <laughs> it's not my dad. It's someone in my family. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. But yeah, they shoot a New Year's Eve. Okay. Supposed to be and what good luck. And she called it the long one. Yeah, the long. I don't know what it. Long gun. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's the long gun. So I've been, it's been a joke for me, at least. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> I've been enjoying it. Where if the intruders come in, you know, oh, Papa, what did you call your father? Papa or Papa. Papa. Oh, Papa, the intruders get the long gun. <laughs> so how long have you been here in the U.S.? Two years. Two years. Yeah. So you want to, how, how'd you get here? Like, what did you come to the U.S. for? My master's. Yeah. So you came here to go to school? Yeah. So you had like, uh, you got a degree in Milan, right? First? I got my bachelor's in Milan and then I came here for my master's. Yeah. So two years ago? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So we, we're just going to like peel that onion back a little bit every time. Fine. <laughs> and I guess I've introduced Ilaria before, but Ilaria, it not only being the producer of the show, she's also Memphis Fence's marketing director. She's our marketing guru. Guru, yeah. So you if see, if she gets guru, I'm going ornamental wizard. That's uh, all there is to we it. We made a deal on that already. She I, has no deals. Oh, that's unfair. I, I mean, know. I want muffins. You want muffins? I want now. muffins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before every episode, I want muffins. <laughs> all right. So all of the like social media posts and this podcast and the video and everything—that's all because of her. We can't figure it out. We just sit here and talk about some stuff that we halfway know about, and she makes all the magic happen. So, um, back to uh, back to the cash thing. So, as yeah. we work through this, we're going to talk about various topics. Like I said, I've got six pages worth of notes, and this was half of page one, just to kind of give you a warning. Um, what's up? I was just checking this out. I was just wondering if there's going to be an opportunity to interject like a personal experience or a Memphis fence experience where this cash flow was affected you, a positive story, a negative story. Uh, here's yeah. where I wish I had more. I mean, I like the one with the contractor that was, but we didn't really get into how that could have negatively affected you had you not had the cash flow in place to support that. Uh, well, unpaid um, bill. Okay, so. First of all, let me finish this thought sure. that like as we progress through these different topics, the what's going to happen first is <laughs> we're going to give you like multiple warnings like this. OK, so just whatever you want to call it, precautions. I, I don't know. But cash is number one. 
Um, so we're going to talk about some other things like, you know, scheduling with general contractors and like insurance and kind of just give you like the, I don't even want to say like the negative, but just like the real life things that are going to happen when you get into that world. And what people want to know is how do I bid these jobs? Right. How do I go find jobs? How do I build relationships with general contractors? How do I get in there at all? I'm not going to tell you any of that until I've uh, given you the disclaimers. Yeah. How to manage the project. Because what I want a clean conscious that I don't like send somebody out there and they go sell this hundred thousand dollar job and they got two thousand dollars in the bank and quit their job. We're going to tell people how to sell two hundred thousand dollar jobs. No. Hundred thousand. Oh, they only a hundred, ladies and gentlemen. They got two thousand dollars and quit their job last week, right? So yeah, we're gonna be telling my story over and over. Granted, no, I don't think the people listening to this are dumb. Like, don't take it that way. It's just how I want to do it. So, anyways, like I said, don't be scared. Bad things don't happen every time. They just happen sometimes. Sure. Most of the time, it's good. It's kind of like the bell curve deal. Right. Most of them are in the middle, but every once in a while you get one on either end, either one that's really terrible or one that's really great. Right. Um, yeah. So kind of personal stories. So I, I told you, would you like to share any? I think I did. Oh, you got the one for now. Yeah. Okay. okay. You don't want to talk about like how Man, that worked I've got out. So, or... I have to be full disclaimer. Disclosure. Zach Shu has very minimal experience in this. Dan, you've been doing it for 15 years 15 yeah did I do that right yeah you got 18 15 2012 eight well so i bought the company in 13 10 years ago but okay. i started bidding commercial jobs in 08 started right so in my experience with this is so minimal if i started this sharing any of my experience we would run out of material so quite quickly you have shared that you're the dude that quit your job that's had two thousand dollars and set out to go that's right you know, sell enter, straw, enter straw hat and a piece of wheat hanging out. Just right. kidding. The long gun. <laughs> Where's the laughter? Where's the laughter? <laughs> uh, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's good. I literally don't laugh as much as I laugh on this podcast. Cause I'm in interjecting that laughter for us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> She had the camera on you, so everyone knows it was you. Right. I'm saying that's not my typical persona. That's all. So kind of my question is like, how did that work? The the money, the quitting the job, diving in, how how did it work? It was hard. Yeah. I mean, I work here. Right. But so it didn't quite pan out. I'm not trying to pry. I'm just uh seeing if you want to share anything about that. And you can just say no. It was difficult and terrifying i mean there was a lot of times where i didn't pay myself in order to pay the employees because as i found out pretty damn quick i'm gonna need some help i'm gonna need some help i'm gonna need administration was one thing that i was really lacking in because we're talking about managing cash flow and it's pretty difficult to be out there bidding project management and managing cash flow simultaneously right and that and is pretty tough. fence and installing fence. Right. Cause I was actually performing that. the work too. Yeah. Um, and I was building a shop. I was working in a 10 by 10 space. That was just a roof and a concrete slab. Mm-hmm. And then over time moved into a little bit larger space and then built walls around me as the business grew Yeah, in that way. And so, um, you know, I, I say it was hard and I work here, but I mean, I'd, 
we accomplished quite a bit with yeah. starting out with two grand and a couple of welding tables and a welder. Actually, I mean, a friend you... of mine gave me a welder to start with and said, here, you can use this until you can afford to buy it. Yeah. You know, and over time we actually, I bought an old welder from you, mm -hmm. um, got three welders set up, three, uh, fab tables set up and, uh, completed, a I guess the highest grossing job was $125,000. And that was just, we were so close with the customer there was a general contractor involved, but we were so close with the customer. They were just willing to, I guess, take a risk on the artisanship. And that was what they were after. And so, yeah. you know, that's not a very common thing. You know, I got so a lot of what you did was really specialized, right? Yeah. Extremely specialized. And, uh, and that was really the niche that I thought that I was going after. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of, thought there was a need here really this uh the craftsmanship and uh hand handmade and handworked iron blacksmithing and fabrication is kind of few and far between i think there might be really like five shops that are doing that kind of stuff yeah so know? pretty so, early on i can share a story about kind of what we did you uh so we hired you yeah shortly that wasn't too long after you left right yeah and uh, we we had a gate that had this massive roll top deal that was right. on the top of it. So the only way that so for it, the blacksmiths or iron workers, they were basically gigantic penny scrolls. This is like a forty eight uh, inch diameter by seven foot long penny scroll, basically. Yeah, and there was like a secondary scroll inside of it, right? right. That had to be like forge welded in there and crap. And so. Uh, it was all what was it like inch and a half by by two solid bar. Yeah, I think inch and a half solid coal rolled. Yeah, and so we we brought it to you and or you came and got it and like ran mm -hmm. it through a forge and like hand. Yeah, I built everything. I built the forge large enough to be able to do the work. Yeah, so that was insane. So that was a part of speaking of cash flow. That was a cost of the job as a new guy new to this whole thing and bidding these things i think i told you it was going to take me like four hours yeah or right. something like that it was like and it was crazy i mean and it it went probably 10 times what i thought it would be right and uh yeah so that was kind of a weird one luckily i've known dan for a while he was pretty cool about working with me through that when me saying hey man it's taking uh like 10 times longer than right <laughs> which means it's going to cost 10 times more than i thought <laughs> You know, and you're like, holy crap, man. Um, but yeah, that was a wild, that was we, a wild one. We got through it. We made it yeah, work. That was wild. We so. got the gate done. And I made some gigantic scrolls. I yeah, mean, it was that pretty was cool. pretty cool, you know, and I, it's I a cool have, gate. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Is there a place they could maybe find a picture of that gate? Instagram or Facebook. You want to put it on the powerhouse one? Just put on powerhouse. I've got yeah. some pictures of me holding the scrolls before they go in the gate. I've got some videos actually of the process of putting that. I mean, dude, this thing, the pieces that I forged were five feet long. I think it weighed 75, 80 pounds per section. Oh, it's massive, you know, and, uh, it's big stuff for you sure. said forge weld. I didn't actually forge weld. I, oh, I just welded. Cheated. I cheated. I okay, cheated a okay, little okay. bit. So there, the penny part was not a real penny. It was a slug of solid bar. Mm -hmm. So like four inch round solid bar that I don't even, I think I talked Morgan steel into slicing me off a chunk of some scrap or something. You yeah. Know? yeah. Nobody knows that company's name. Right. And they're, we like them anyways. Yeah, I they're, do. They're so. good, man. That's who we use. 
Yeah, this is sometimes. Most of the time for me. I, yeah. Right. Um. Anyways. Yeah. So my experience running the business that was the beginning. That was like the fledgling beginning, and I think the photo of me holding that on my website that I built, which was just super bare bones. It was like a square space, square space thing that we copy and pasted some junk and, and, uh, that's what actually landed me like my first decent contract with, uh, this was, uh, for a homeowner who happens to be a pretty solid, uh, well-known architect here in Memphis. And from there he designated me and my shop as their preferred vendor. And then, so we were kind of in the door with, um, with that that was my introduction to the general contractor world yeah. so like totally outside of my control i couldn't have i wasn't fighting for that but i mean in that time period man there were some mondays or tuesdays or wednesdays i'd pull up to the shop and i'd just have no idea where the paycheck was going to come from and that's what it looks like not having cash flow you know and so we, we mentioned before that's happened to us right yeah. like we'll deposit we have had times in our 10 years tenure <laughs> Sure. Where, I mean, there, we might be like depositing a check on, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday that covers payroll that week. So, um, I mean, it, well, and that's, that, that kind of stuff happens to everybody. And I that's mean, it doesn't what I've matter. gathered. And, you know, I was worried about, I did have a, I did start a bank account with a smaller bank and get a line of credit, a really small line of credit with them. As I mentioned, the line of credit with the steel vendor. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there were some other people who were willing to kind of help me out a local, um, hardware store i had a line of credit with them just yeah. basically on having seen my face in the store for years yeah and so you know that was one that's one way to do it uh but ultimately the people i've talked to along the way you i have a friend that owns an auto body uh business and some other guys that do you know more high volume stuff basically what it gets down to is everyone's doing it basically the exact same it's just how many uh placeholders there are before the zero that's right how many you know? numbers are there right it's like the so amount the, of debt that we have is equivalent according yeah. to you know just kind percentage of, of revenue exactly yeah. right right so Thank the, you for the tricky thing about that is that like if you go bust on a small scale sure. like it's it's going to be life-changing to an extent you go bust on a big scale it's definitely going to be life-changing right, right? i guess so, that's the fear man yep. i mean really you know that was a big part for me was like fear of establishing a line of credit is holy crap what if this thing goes belly up right you know yeah uh, but really the whole mindset i think to starting this type of any type of venture like that is really like i don't have in the back of my mind i i don't see this thing failing i don't see this ship sinking yeah i see me you know sailing away into the sunset and yeah. that's the attitude that i had to take in those days when it's like i haven't paid myself i don't know when i'm gonna get paid but I, I still am looking forward to the, this isn't, this is not the failure. You know? Right. Like, this isn't the end. Right. This is just a step. Right. And so the biggest piece of advice I got in that whole time period, like the, the fear around the money and find that financial insecurity was to man my post. Yeah. You know, and that's really like those types of days is when I would get the call. That's like, Hey, we're just want you to come bid this job and got some pretty good ones on the days when I was like, man, I don't even know what, we're going to do in the shop today. We don't mm -hmm. even have any work. There's not even a real reason for me to be here, mm -hmm. you know? So, and the phone just would ring. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So, I mean, and I, I'm not saying I would just sit on the couch and cry. I mean, I was calling people. <laughs> I was constantly using social media 
and creating flyers and sending emails and all but short of knocking on the doors of these contracting firms. So I, I think the summary of all that is it takes work. Yeah. You can't just sit back and wait for something to happen. You sure. got to go get it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can put in a lot of work, but still, you know, I'm not responsible for the outcome, but I definitely can show up and at least, at least man my post, yeah. at least be next to the phone when it rings. Do what you can do. You know? Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's so many ways to say that life principle, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. What's a good story for me to tell? I shared the one with the credit card stuff. Um, oh, I mean, you were trying to use me to buy some time. No, I was just seeing if you wanted to share anything. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Okay, uh, I'm just picking on you. Just roll with it. Just I don't know how much it. of your life you want to share on All here with it. the I don't world. So. I really don't mind. But, uh, so. hmm. We're nearing an hour in length. We're, we're an hour and 40 seconds, right? No one's listening anymore anyway. Uh, that's not why we're doing this that's not true yeah you're right you're right i don't really have any stories i mean the credit card one is pretty good um we've definitely i mean there's been a lot of situations that i've shared where oh we forgot to turn in this form and we found out two months later like yeah that's happened to me um i mean well so when you were talking about that i guess one last thing like a good pointer tidbit we talked about my using software for timelines and project management and all the stuff i'm doing so what type of stuff do you do say with these billing cycles with contractors to remind you this is the day to bill do you have somebody that just handles that for you for your jobs nope so most of that stuff is kind of in my role here at memphis fence is like billing my jobs uh sometimes other people do it but most of the time it's me and i mean what I do is I have a like recurring calendar event in Outlook, probably around like the, I think it's a three day deal from like the 18th to the 20th, maybe, or like 20th to 21st, something like that. And um, basically it's just a reminder for me to go into QuickBooks, run some reports, make sure that I know every job that we've worked on that we have to bill. Because, I mean, there are times where I've sold a job, I have to build a job and I really don't even know that we work on it as crazy sure. as that is very like hey zach did we do anything yeah. on this can what, i bill these people for any of this stuff what did we and that's right. a frequent question what did we accomplish on job number one two and three this right. month and you know that's all for me to be able to bill it um yeah so i i have recurring monthly reminders and outlook i'm um, using this software called simpalo i know that's not why we're here but it seems like the bid calendar in simpalo well it's here how do i get that oh, yeah, yeah i don't know how <laughs> uh, okay but we're using that and it has a bid calendar and so for me i'm getting reminders of hey it's time to submit this bid right here's well, the due date for the bid is that something that you could use simpalo for i mean you could it, you know it it does so to be clear like the reminder is zach looking at the calendar and seeing it on sure. there um you could but, you i mean could. we're talking about something when i get here in the morning it's pretty Often I open that as one yeah. of my, the first thing. To, All I right. Do check your email, it. look at the calendar, look like, at some Paulo and see what's going if on. If you're in that kind of bidding world, like it's, it's just there, right? It's just a part of what you're doing every day. You're going through that calendar to get to some project or whatever. Sure. So like, it's always in front of you. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, on there you'd have to like set, I wouldn't use it for that. I'll just tell you. Okay. Take, cool, the long cool. and short of that is I wouldn't use it. I would, if I was to do something on a calendar, it would be an Outlook, Outlook or like your Apple or Google or whatever kind of calendar you're using. Just put a reminder in there. 
Um, and so another thing kind of like to help you with that is you can like reach out to them. So one, most of the time in a contract package, it's going to have stuff for billing, right? It's going to tell you how to bill it, what you need to include, all of that. Um, but also just call them. Be like, hey, I'm trying to talk to somebody about this bill I turned in. I want to make sure it's right. Like, I want to make sure I get in this billing cycle this sure. month, blah, blah, blah. Don't send it late. I've done a job that we're doing right now. I think three months in a row, as this is not a good role model kind of story, but I think three months in a row, I've turned that bill in a day late. And guess what? They just kick it out and they're like, oh, we'll put it in next month. You know, so, so will you have to resubmit for the next month or nah, they'll just raise the submittal? Yeah, so they, it just get pushed back a month. Yeah, they keep it. They keep it. So so that's a good personal story of how that whole thing is works. And mm. oh, I've all of these like bad situations that I can share in this podcast are because I've lived those situations. Sure. You know, I mean, so any of the negative stuff you've heard me talk about today, I've been there, I've done it, I've learned from it. And, you know, I'm just trying to. I think we said this early on, but like, I'm just trying to share our mistakes. I think sure. that's kind of our thing. Like we'll share our mistakes. We'll share what we've learned. So, and I I'm, think with that, yeah, I'm feeling like ahead. the faucet's off. Yeah. You? I think we're done. Yeah. So if anybody, whoever joined in, thank you guys. If there's a, we were on the fence Academy. If any of y'all came from the fence Academy, that's cool. Uh, where were you? You're famous now. You're on. No, 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 I'm just not kidding. yet. Not yet. <laughs> he hates that thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. I, that's that's why i said it yeah I hey. know. <laughs> uh thank you guys for joining us again uh i think i think like five people know me though that's cool so that's pretty good if y'all don't know that's dan turbyville owner of memphis fence company some paulo look uh, at us in host. our uniforms man right it looks good uh my name's zach shu i'm the other host <laughs> <laughs> in no no such order certain order thanks for uh, watching